Merry Christmas and happy holidays as we are coming to the end of 2022. And before you know it, January 2023 will be upon us. Episode 7 of Pig Pod, and certainly a lot to talk about. Once again, Mike Ventola with you, Manager Media Relations here with the Iron Pigs, joined by Director of Multimedia Design and Entertainment, Kevin Whitehead. And um, the crowd has spoken, wanted more of Kevin Whitehead. So, Kevin, welcome back to the Pig Pod. That's great to be back, and it's hard to believe when you said seven. I was like, wow, we've done seven of these already, seven weeks of, of our off-season content, and it's been a lot of... S- Fun so far, being behind the mic and also uh, in the editing bay, putting these together. That's right. You and Alex Shemper are doing a great job of all the behind-the-scenes camera work and, of course, uh, all the editing that takes place. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of excitement over the ballpark at the ballpark in recent weeks. Of course, many are aware of the recent press conference that's had. So, the pigs are here to stay. That's now behind us. We're now excited for the long-term future with the county and, of course, the Philadelphia Phillies. But Kevin and I today really wanted to focus in what's been happening on our social platforms over the last uh, couple of weeks. So, Absolutely. You know, Kevin, I had to do a call to action. I don't do too many call to actions, you know, um, as, a, as an employee here with the Iron Pigs. But I felt like for our fans, we needed their help. And we are trying to come up with a great T-shirt giveaway on opening night that will feature the fans' choice of their 15th players all time. We came up with a list of 30 players. We're in the process of getting it down to 15. But you yourself, who has worked here as a game day employee over the years and now in a full-time role, you got a chance to see a lot of these Iron Pigs players, and it's been quite a competitive list so far. Yeah, and, and it's been tough. You're, you're trying to put 15 players and, and cram them into a list. Uh, there's going to be some upsets. There's perhaps some, some players that you would think – would be on there don't make the cut but that's what makes this uh you know so fun of what we're doing here Uh, a lot of great names blue chip prospects or guys that have come through the system and really developed under the Phillies organization and you know we get a chance to hear from the fans from this I know we have some opinions on who should be uh, moving on and being on the t-shirt and uh, some legacy players some big prospects and also some players that have helped the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies get to a World Series this year. Yeah, it's been great. So we've already had four matchups in the book books. Um, matchup five it, taking place as we record, and you know, as the episode you're now listening to, your or you're watching on YouTube. Um, that fifth matchup is already you know in the process of coming to a close. But our first four matchups were a lot of fun. You know, you talked about you had a mix of legacy players. Um, you know, just blue chip type collar uh, prospects or guys that are now, of course, currently with the Philadelphia Phillies. So our first four matchups were Andy Tracy against Scott Kingery, Mike Servanak against Luis Garcia, Joey Manessis against Cesar Hernandez, and Jay Happ against Pedro Beato. To this point, Andy Tracy, Mike Servanak, Joey Manessis, and Jay Happ have all moved on. Um, Kevin, before I get your um, your input on these uh, the impressions on social media were outstanding. So on Twitter, anywhere of 3,500 to over 4,000 impressions on Twitter per these matchups. We had anywhere from four to 5,000, close to 10,000 people reached on Facebook. And then when you think about accounts reached on in- Instagram, we were anywhere from six to 8,000 to upwards to 15,000 people reached on Instagram. The likes, the comments, 
Um, now the polling that's been voting on the stories. It's been great to see so many fans uh, fighting for their player as well, too. So within the comments section. Um, so, But there's been some great contests already. And currently, matchup number five taking place, or as it will come to final, uh, really good one. Uh, Mike Halfranco against Freddie Galvis. So your thoughts on some of these early matchups? Yeah, and I think that it's fun about this because the it's a wide range of years. Mm-hmm. You know, for for a season ticket holder or anybody that's been a fan of the Iron Pigs for this long, uh, it's very emotional for people. Oh yeah. You know, you're we're, we're talking. I mentioned the 2022 World Series, but also you're you're bringing up J. A. Happ, uh, who was part of that 2008 run, and so you, we ha- really have a big range of of players here between, you know, a guy like Jay Happ and then a guy like uh, Derek Hall. So we're kind of, we're kind of getting the full range of, of performance and also some players that really had some really productive years here. Oh, certainly. You know, you look at guys like Andy Tracy and Mike Servanak. They are in the record books here at Coca-Cola Park as a member of the Iron Pigs. Joey Manessis was the 2018 International League MVP. Um, you know, Cesar Hernandez had a very good career here as an Iron Pig. Jay Hat was part of that 08 um, and even 09 team um, with right. Lehigh Valley. Pedro Beato is the all-time saves leader here with the Pigs. Luis Garcia, who's now doing a very nice job in the big leagues, uh, pitching the postseason. Yeah, how fo- about Beato as, a, yeah. as an upset? I think that is probably, I'm glad you mentioned it. Of all those matchups, I think that's the upset. And that's yeah. in no disrespect towards Jay Happ. Uh, but I think Pedro Beato was the all-time saves leader. He was a big-time fan favorite, especially here in 2018. He was a big part of that uh, division uh, winning Iron Pigs team. But to me, that was of all the upsets. I know some people may sit there and say, well, Cesar Hernandez over Joey Manessis, but, uh, or I mean, Manessis defeating Hernandez, a lot of, you know, a lot of people coming out of the woodworks for Cesar. For yeah, Cesar, and that's, but. that's what's part, that's going to be interesting about this is that you have, you know, I mentioned the legacy players, somebody that's an all-time saves leader yeah. in, in Beato, but then you have, and then you have J.A. Happ who made, you know, more of an impact as a Philly. Right. So we're going to get some, I think, some Phillies bias, you know, as oh, yes. as players moved into their later parts in their in their major league careers, you might think of them as more of a productive player. But if you dive into the numbers, you know, Beato's a great case, all time saves leader, like you mentioned. He's a great case of of he really made a big impact between the late the white lines here at Coca Cola Park. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out, uh, you know, between our fans. We have some, you know, we have matchups, and it's been happening every other day throughout the uh, normal workday week. We're not opening up voting on Saturdays and Sundays, but we kind of been doing a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, giving right. people a day and a half to get their votes in. So, why don't we take a look at the upcoming matchups? And then Kevin and I, before we get to our special guest, um, Kevin and I are going to go through the matchups here, but then of course break down some key matchups that we feel like are going to be really interesting for our fans. So in no particular order, and it's been pretty much up to me on which matchups I've been throwing up out there. So, but Kevin and Alex, for those watching on YouTube, you know, getting a chance to kind of see what the matchups look like. Derek Hall against Roman Quinn, Reese Hoskins against Nick Williams, Kevin Francis against Tyler Henson. It'll be Rich Thompson against Dylan Cousins. That's a big one. That's a big one. Cole Irvin against Drew Carpenter, Eric Kratz against Brandon Moss. Scott Matheson against Zach Eflin, Jake Thompson against Aaron Nola, David Buchanan against Tom Eshelman, and Mark Capella against Les Waldron. So I felt really confident about these 30 players. Um, we talked about the matchups already. So, you know, 
I think the most competitive is certainly going to be against Rich was going to be Rich Thompson against Dylan Cousins. Rich Thompson, right. in my opinion, outside of Andy Tracy, is the greatest player to ever put on an Iron Pig uniform. But Cousins was a home run monster here throughout his tenure sure. as an Iron Pig. But there are three matchups that Kevin and I kind of wanted to get into. Um, as much as we think that's going to be hev- heavily competitive, but it's just going to come down to whether you prefer the home run hitting Cousins or the all-around player in Thompson who brought speed, contact, played really good defense. That was the type of guy Rich Thompson was. But three matchups, and we'll go in no particular order here, of course. Um, well, actually, Thompson and Cousins will be one of them. Tyler Henson against Kevin France, and the other is Jake Thompson against Aaron Nola. So why don't we start with Thompson against Cousins being on the uh, forefront? Let's do it. Uh, I, I, C- Cousins, it's kind of interesting as we're situated here, uh, set up in, a, in one of our suites, is that we see – the location of the longest home run ever hit here <laughs> yeah. at, at Coca-Cola Park. Right over the pitch clock, uh, dead center, uh, moonshot on a day, a beautiful day game. Yes. And to me, that 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 is a microcosm of Dylan Cousins' career. We're, mm-hmm. we're hitting tape measure blasts, and he did it over two seasons. 27 home runs. Uh, 27 home runs in, and I believe it was 2017. Yeah. And then also, yep. and and then followed it up. You know, it was no fluke that first year. Twenty-seven home runs, followed it up with twenty-one, and was very productive uh, during that time. And you know, he was he was right with with Reese Hoskins. Yes, you he know, was. our current first baseman uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, the Bash brothers during that time, those guys would be going back to back. You know, that's you have a lefty righty there. It, it was a a beautiful compliment. Uh, to to the organization and also that lineup of that time that, like you said, produced a, a division championship. No, and Cousins, you know, I've been selfish when it comes to when it's come to watch Dylan Cousins. I remember when he and Reese um, they combined to hit um, seventy eight home runs between the two in Double A Reading back in twenty sixteen. You know, and then when both had the opportunity to come here to uh, Lehigh Valley, um, continuing that home run hitting onslaught year and. Uh, you know, Reese hit 29 in 2017, and of course, Cousins with 27. You know, then he hit 21 the next year. Um, you know, Cousins to me, whenever he hit a home run, they, it would just go a mile. You couldn't help but sit there. And you, he was a player. You know, I learned back when I was in double work in doing media and broadcasting with the uh, with the Reading Fighting Phils. There was a, an usher, a guy by the name of Greg Pommy, and he said there are certain players that you would really not want to get out of your seat and miss. Right. Cousins was one of them. And Cousins even the same here as an iron pig. But then that goes to the other side with Rich Thompson. Because Rich Thompson, arguably the longest tenured iron pig, played five seasons here, 08 through 12. I remember him personally working with him in 2011 when I worked under Matt Providence and John Schaefer. He was a big part of that um, champion uh, that the, the team that probably, probably should have won the international league championship that year but went right. to the championship profiles is a different hitter too yes he was he was a leadoff More guy a contact Kevin, guy you know contact right s- stole a crap ton of bases um the tampa bay rays ended up getting a hold of him he ended up going to the big leagues to be a pinch runner type uh for the tampa bay rays right. um never got that opportunity with the philadelphia phillies but i mean you know over 450 hits in his career here as an iron pig uh, hit over 270, um, over 240 runs scored, over 130 stolen bases in five seasons, you know, in total. He had a stolen base here in 2011 of 48 stolen bases. Right. And that hey, was in, that's you went out of your leadoff in 124 hitter. games. Yeah. Swiping bags, you know, once a game. 
Yeah. You get a guy to get 48 stolen bases in 162 games, people are like drooling over him. Right. You know, to do that in 124 games is pretty impressive. Uh, before we move on to our next two uh, matchups, if you had to cast a vote, who are you casting for and why? Uh, it, it, for me, it's Dylan Cousins. It's, uh, you know, the way he profiles. Actually, his name came up quite a bit during the Derek Hall's chase for the, the home run uh, record for the Iron Pigs. So, and, and they're very similar, right? Dylan Cousins and Derek Hall, tape measure blasts, uh, you know, and, and very consistent over his time here as an Iron Pig. But for me, it's that guy in the middle of the lineup that's your, you know, a, a manager really has to plan around during, during a ball game, and it really makes an impact throughout the lineup and, and whenever they face up against the Iron Picks. If Dylan's listening or watching on YouTube, he's going to turn it off because i got to go with Rich. Um, I know how much Rich means to the organization, you know, with the longest tenured Iron Pig player. Uh, and I've said before, you know, the day comes, numbers and jerseys are ever retired here. Rich Thompson, along with Andy Tracy, will right. be the first two Iron Picks players um, just because of not only what they did on the field but off the field as well, too. And Dylan, too, was good off the field, always a great, you know, member of the community. So, uh, but to me, I would go with Rich Thompson. So, but we'll see what the fans decide. Keep an eye out. Yeah, it's um, not up to us. It's not up to us at the end of the day. Uh, but we'll certainly keep an eye out on uh, that matchup whenever I decide to put that on social media. Um, the next one, um, and I've heard from the, one of these guys, uh, Kevin Franson against Tyler mm-hmm. Henson. Now, Tyler Henson is currently the hitting coach for the Reading Fight and Phil. So, as a coach... Played for the Iron Pigs in 2013 through 2015, and Kevin Franson played in 2011 and 2012. Um, I have the tweet, so Kevin tweet messaged me and okay. said, I better be on the list. I told him, you are. I said, you without question made the list. And I said, I, but I answered him. I go, I, at the time, I didn't know who he's matched up with. He goes, probably a really popular guy. And Kevin, you may be right. Tyler Henson was a popular Iron Pig here, and he absolutely um, is beloved by many Iron Pigs fans, um, and, and he's very well respected um, in the Phillies organization as a hitting coach, once again returning to the AA level. So, um, Kevin, I mean, you want to talk about eerily similar players, you know, and what they were able to do uh, throughout their tenures. This could be another tight matchup. Absolutely, and, and and Kevin Franson, you know, obviously a lot of Phillies know him through his his post career, yeah. right? Like he's he's very successful. You see him on MLB Network, of course, with the Phillies uh, radio broadcast team for for a number of years, and now on the TV uh, TV crew down with the the yeah. Nationals. Yeah, with the Nationals. So, uh, but let's get back to his play during. <laughs> During his playing career, and uh, a very productive hitter with the with the Iron Pigs, hit over 300. Uh, you know, kind of kind of like a Thompson, like where he he was able to be at the top of the lineup, be a contact hitter, uh, drive in runs when needed, but more of a table setter in in his career with Lehigh Valley. Yeah, Kevin Franson. Um, I remember watching him here in 2011. Uh, you know, and he was a big part of their success. He was a utility guy, too. Actually, when the Iron Pigs had their 10th anniversary team voting, he was voted as the utility player. Okay. Um, and because Francis could play all over the infield. Right. Um, as you said, too, could be a table setter, but could also hit further down in the lineup if need be. Uh, really was a big, impactful player here with the Iron Pigs. But same with Tyler Henson in 2013 through 2015. Um, he was a staple, and he was certainly a guy that uh, was really uh, – important to the Iron Pigs during those years. And now as we're during the Dave Brundage managed years, um, when Dave, you know, took over after uh, Ryan Sandberg, and it was before when Dusty Wathen uh, became manager um, in 2017. So, 
You know, those years for the Pigs, they were not, um, you know, they were not playoff teams those years, but he still was very much um, a big part of any sort of success they did have those years. Wasn't a big home run hitting type guy, but certainly a doubles guy. Stole a lot of bases, 26 bases in 2015 after stealing 19 in 2014. Um, you know, it's going to be, that's going to be another tough matchup. And right another now, toss up. it's another toss up. Uh, I think for me, if I'm casting a ballot and Tyler, please don't hold it against me, but I'm probably leaning towards Kevin a little bit because I knew him playing multiple. You know him personally. And I know, uh, just, just take the mask I, no, off. You know, I mean, I do, but he played multiple positions, you know, the utility guy. Uh, but to me, if Tyler wins, though, wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. Not one bit. Yeah, if I, I look at the stats here, uh, you know, Tyler <clears throat> Tyler kind of jumps off the page in comparison, especially in his run production, his RBI totals, um, you know, even even swiping more bags over his time here. But, uh, yeah, for me, it would be Tyler as, yep. you know, more of the, the run producer. So, yeah, so far we're two for two. We're split here. Which is good, though, because we're creating a little diversity. I think people would tune us out if you and I were agreeing on the same thing. So, but No, we don't agree on anything. No, so, you and I don't. Uh, you and I've had enough so, of those conversations. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I disagree with you all the time on everything. But in my opinion, the most intriguing matchup of the, th- of the three that we still have yet to get to, and I know the other two are going to be fun, but Jake Thompson against Aaron Nola. You and I were talking about this before um, recording this episode because it's two totally different careers, right? Like, you look what Aaron Nola has done in eight seasons in Philadelphia. Close to 80 wins, 203 starts, an ERA of 3.6, a whip of 1.125, over 1,300 strikeouts, and a little over 20, and over 1,200 innings pitched. Just really successful up in the big leagues. Now, he made eight total starts in his career here with the Pigs. Six in 2015, two in 2017. You know, he was a combined 4-1. He had a .87 ERA in those two starts here in 17. Is that right? And he had a 3.58 ERA in those six starts in 2015. Um, but he had 33 strikeouts in 32 and a two-thirds innings pitched in 2015. He had 10 strikeouts and um, around 10 innings pitched here in 2017. A successful iron pig, but wasn't here very long and got the opportunity to go up to Philadelphia and have great success. I believe only had two home starts. I think he it. pitched a lot on the road, yep. uh, going through some of the tape, uh, specifically during uh, the pandemic when we were putting out a lot of content from our previous years. I'm scrubbing through a lot of the archives, and I noticed that he, he only had two starts here and, a, and quite a few on the road, uh, one of which I think is where he really stood out when he made his jump to the tri- AAA level was his, his game against the Rail Riders. Oh, yeah. uh, he was fanning batters left and right. Um, and and the Rail Riders had a very good team at that point, and always had a good you team. know he just jumped off. He just really just jumped <laughs> off the field. Like this guy does not belong in AAA. No, let's get him to the big. You know, let's get him to the big leagues very quickly. But you know, as oftentimes, especially as a, a first round pick like Nola, they want to get him some seasoning in the minor leagues. But you know, you you look at you rattled off all the numbers. The numbers speak for themselves. Uh, he's a guy that you knew right away that he was going to make a jump to the majors. But on the other side, in Jake Thompson, and to me, if you look at pitchers in their history here with Lehigh Valley, he, he, to me, he's a top fiver. And the reason why is what he did alone in 2016 here with Lehigh Valley when he was International League Pitcher of the Year, 11-5 with a 2.50 ERA and 21 starts. He had a 1.095 whip, because I know you're a big whip guy, uh, Kevin. But 87 strikeouts and 129 two-thirds innings. That's not, I know that may not appear sexy, but just... 
32 walks issued. That's insane. I yeah. mean, that's really good. And only gave up 105 hits. Um, he was the best pitcher in the International League that year. Outstanding. Of course, then had the opportunity to go up to Philadelphia, pitched three seasons with the Phillies, seven and eight with an ERA of 487. Hit a 1.53 whip in 30 games and 18 starts. And um, I believe he was an International League Pitcher of the Year one year. Is, is that right? That was 2016. 2016. So right, because they, they went back to back with Eshelman. Yep. So because uh, Eshelman in 2017, because in 2017 right. Jake had a down year here. He was five and 14 with a 5.25 ERA. Had a little bit better in 2018 when it was one and two with a 4.60. But that 2016 season alone is one of the best in Iron Pigs history. I, I would only probably put, put Cole Irvin, and I think I have to double-check what Les Walren did back in 08, but not too many guys above Jake Thompson. So it comes down to this. Do you, how, much of the, how much of Aaron Nola's Phillies success carries him to victory over what Jake Thompson did during his I think it's going to have a large effect. Uh, much to what I alluded to before is, is the Phillies, Phillies' performance versus the legacy. And... I think if, if you're in tune with the Iron Pigs, I think this one's pretty clear. I okay. think it is Jake Thompson. Uh, but obviously the name yes. is going to jump. Aaron Nola versus, versus Jake Thompson, the name obviously is going to prevail with, with Aaron Nola. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think it's the first time we agree, though. I think if you would just looked at Iron Pigs alone, you got to probably go Jake Thompson. Right. But obviously Aaron Nola's success in Philadelphia is going to carry him a long way. So... Once again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all this balloting will take place over the next couple of weeks. And then once things are finalized, Kevin and Alex, a little extra work, and have to design the 15 players on a T-shirt. So. Absolutely. Hey, I already got I already got some 15-year designs going, including the logo, yeah. including a lot of the giveaways that were going to be included in this year's uh, promotional calendar. So uh, you'll be seeing that quite a bit. Uh, and this is 15 seasons. Got to be clear on that. 15, yes. seasons 15 seasons of Iron Pigs baseball. Obviously, we were robbed of the one in 2020. So I had the opportunity to... Um, you know, have fun with this, you know, when putting this all together. And one guy I know we're going to get, I'm excited to talk to here, um, is Mike Servanak, who, how about this? He's moved on already. He is going to be one of the players um, on that Perfect timing list. here. Perfect timing. So I'm sure I'm excited to talk to Mike about, obviously, his career here as an Iron Pig, but he's an avid baseball watcher. He currently works uh, in the medical field now, um, and we'll talk to him a little bit about that. But also, too, he's a Michigan guy. So I actually asked him about his, uh, his outlook for Michigan football. You know, of course, you know, they are in the college football playoffs. It's so I'm excited year. to see what he's going to have to say about all that. So let's get an opportunity to talk to Mike. And uh, hopefully you enjoy um, this interview because I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of fun asking him some really cool questions. So we're very excited to be talking to Mike Servanak, of course, um, a one-time Iron Pig, a former Philly, and of course, a longtime uh, professional baseball player. Uh, Mike, want to thank you so much for joining us here on Pig Pod. And uh, it was funny, I was talking with uh, Michelle Pearl and some others, and when your name came up as a potential guest, um, I said, you know, it'd be crazy for me not to have you on. So thank you for uh, joining us here on Pig Pod. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, the invite to come back on, and it feels, you know, it feels a little good to be still be relevant since 2008. No, you definitely are relevant. It's funny, you know, walk along the press level and the suite level, your jersey still hangs up. Um, you know, I was going through the record books and whatnot. Um, a lot of your records are still intact, you know, which is great, obviously, for you, uh, knowing that, you know, Iron Pigs fans and folks, you know, baseball fans that come through the gates here can see your name uh, 
you know, plastered all over the place. Uh, does that mean anything to you, knowing that, hey, that your your name is very much in the history of uh, Lehigh Valley Iron Picks baseball? It, it means a lot to me. It, it means, um, you know, it, it has a special meaning because it means the work that you did kind of is still being recognized. And um, that's a great feeling to have. I mean, I, I would love to have my kids up there someday so that they could see it. So yeah, we gotta get, fingers yeah, we gotta, crossed that I could get out there. No, we definitely got to get you out here one of these days. Um, I'm sure, you know, yeah, you could bring your family out here. We'd love to have you. Um, you know, uh, this upcoming season is going to be the 15th season of uh, of Iron Pigs baseball, and actually, we're um, announcing uh, very soon. Um, we're going to be doing a giveaway this year, Mike. Um, and what we're doing is normally like a lot of teams when you get to like the tenth or the twentieth year, they do like yeah. a, an anniversary team. We're not looking to do like an anniversary team because we did one back uh, for the tenth year. But what we're doing is we're putting out on social media like a kind of a light contest, shall you say, like thirty players. Uh-huh. And fans will have to vote and just trim it from 30 to 15. So okay. you made the list um, uh, and you're going to toe to toe with somebody. I have to like nice. figure out who I'm going to put you toe to toe with, um, but it's kind of a prominent list. Some of uh, your former teammates um, okay. made the list. Um, I can imagine Andy Tracy and Rich Thompson. They were, of course they were there. Um, I was going to say, I know. Andy and, and Rich are on that list amongst uh, a few. Les Waldron, I'm sure you remember. Oh, Les. 100%. His 18 strikeout game probably still stands, right? It does. For it's most in does. Uh, Iron Pig history. Yeah, so Les made it. And then, of course, uh, some of the newer players that I'm sure you've uh, gotten to know um, through watching a game or, you know, of course, through your contacts in baseball. So uh, keep an eye out. I'll have to, I'll tip you off to make sure who you're going toe to toe with. So if you want to do any campaigning, uh, you yeah. Know, I love it. And let me say 15 years, like it does not seem like 15 years, which is crazy to me. It's it's insane. So it's obviously uh, going to be a lot of fun. And uh, and then, you know, we're going to take those 15 players, put them on a T-shirt and, you know, it'll be a giveaway for our fans, I believe. We're hoping to do it on opening night. So obviously, okay. you know, Very cool. if you make the list, uh, we'll send you, we'll be sure to send you a shirt and uh, some shirts for you and the, you and your, uh, you and your family. So um, that's awesome. But, but Mike, um Certainly a lot to talk with you about. I know you're up to a lot these days, but I also know you are a student of the game and um, I know you watch the game and, you know, you played for such a long time. Uh, I know we're in the midst of hot stove season. So, you know, players, free agency trades and all that stuff. But I got to ask you, what were your thoughts about um, the playoffs this past year? You know, obviously the Phillies, of course, getting to the World Series, but the Houston Astros winning it um, once again here, you know, being world champions, what's in, uh, for, you know, once again, but for you, uh, what was your take uh, on baseball this past season? I Well, number one, I, I follow the Phillies a little bit because of my association with them. And it, it didn't seem like there was any hope for them to make the playoffs. And then all of a sudden within the last week, it just kind of popped up and they made, and you see it so many times, I think within baseball, right? And I think wildcard has really introduced that um, where teams sneak in at the end for the playoffs and they're hot. And they kind of ride that to the World Series or you they ride that to the World Series championship. And I think that's what you saw with the Phillies again. They were playing great baseball and it was exciting to watch. I mean, how many in the first round, how many 100 teams, 100 win teams ended up getting bounced? I know it's crazy, right? I mean, that you thought were for sure like these are going to be the teams that are going to be playing for the um, the league championship series. And three of them were out just like that. 
I mean, and you look too, and that's a good point because like you look at the Phillies first round matchup, you know, they had to go to St. Louis and yep. not an easy place to to play. Um, and then to do that in a three game series for them to win those two games. And then as you talked about, they had to play Atlanta in, in right. the next series, and then of course had to play the, the defending champs, right? Yeah. Atlanta. Hundred win team, yeah. And then to knock them out. Um, and then yeah. of course then to take on the Padres team, which was red hot, upsetting the 100 plus win Los Angeles Dodger team. So, right. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, look, you were, um, you were kind of, you were a part of, you know, the Phillies world series run in a lot of ways. And back in 2008, you know, you and Andy were called up. Um, you guys had the opportunity right. to kind of be there for that entire experience. Um, so I know obviously you were there for a celebratory standpoint with winning the world series, but you know, I'm sure there's a level of disappointment from the players and the coaches and organization, but still to be nationally champions. Um, you know, I guess if you were to come across to any of those guys, you know, what would you say to them? Um, what was obviously a really good year for the Phillies? Well, I mean, that's an amazing accomplishment because I think if you were to, I think if you were to ask in July, those players, if they thought they would even make the playoffs, I think they would be hard. Now they may posture and say, yeah, we were going to make it. I mean, from where they came from in July to the end of the season was an incredible run. And for them, it's just going to be a building block. You know, I, I think this is just a stepping stone for them to kind of get back into that, um, you know, being a predominant team appearing in the playoffs on a regular basis. That's because when was the last time they had made the playoffs? Was it 11 or 12? It was 11. Yep. That's what I thought. So. So it's it's crazy too, like when you think about it, because obviously the Phillies, um, you know, they they always take pride in trying to put out the best team, you know, year in and year out, and you know, for them a lot really clicked, and you know, Bryce Harper seemed like a big hit after big hit. Reese Hoskins. I mean that that home run that he yeah. hit against San Diego was absolutely electric. I mean that's to, what baseball's about, right? To me, I said it, and I know you know maybe it was a little premature, but I don't think I think that right there cemented him as pretty much as close to an all timer now, like Philly fans, I think now mm -hmm. if you ever had a bad day at the office, no one will care. You know what I mean? Like and you are, you are talking about Philly fans. Though. Exactly. It might, it might've bought him a year. That's true. It might've bought him a year, but that home run without question will go down as one of the most, correct, one of the biggest moments in Philly sports history. Right. It was awesome that it was at citizens bank too. Yep. I mean, it was, it was just, it was perfect setting. Now, let me ask you this. Would you have changed anything in the world series lineup wise? I'll throw that at you. Well, look at this first time I'm being asked a question by one of our guests. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested. Like to me, um, I, I felt like you had to obviously keep Schwarber at the top of the lineup. You know, he was getting, on okay. he was doing what he had to do. I think if I were going to change anything um, and it's funny, cause I've, you know, I know when you work, when you played here for the Iron Pigs, uh, Matt Province was in my role. And sometimes for us as, you know, you know, announcer slash PR guys, you know, we, you know, a lot of bus rides and you get to know one another. And I had the privilege right. of um, doing that with Reese Hoskins. There okay. was probably going to be a moment when I know Reese had his struggles a little bit. I thought maybe I would have dropped him down in the lineup a little bit, you know, especially uh -huh. when he had his struggles, but then he ends up getting big hit after big hit. So yeah. I thought I maybe would have messed, uh, not messed, but I might have moved him down a little bit. But I yeah. thought it was amazing. You might have wanted to see if Gene Segura can go up a little bit, but I felt like where he was positioned in the lineup, Mike, he had yeah, he had the, his hit against St. Louis 
if he right. doesn't go opposite field, the Phillies probably lose against the Cardinals. That started the right comeback. in that in that comeback. Yeah, that started that comeback. So, I mean, I liked where Harper was in the lineup. I even liked where Castellanos and JT were in the lineup. So, uh-huh. I think some shuffling a little bit, maybe at the bottom of the lineup t- from time to time. I know Stott did okay, but there were moments you just saw that he was still a little green in some moments. So. Yeah. I think if he's I did, not, some, he, I mean, he's not there to produce offense. No, he was just there to play really good defense. I he, thought Alec Bohm um, actually had some nice moments in the playoffs. So, oh, 100%. So, if I were going to move anybody, I thought when there was a moment where Reese was having his scuffles a little bit, maybe yeah. drop him down. But then the other side is, as you know, being a player, okay, you're going to drop me down, but who do you have to go into that place? That's the thing. Who was going to yeah. be, who was going to bat second um, right. in the lineup after that? So, See, I would have. As, this is just me. To in, yeah. in I don't, I'm I'm completely removed from the game. Schwarber got so hot, right? Yeah, right. And I just thought the way I saw it set up is if he could have protected Harper That's in the World point. Series. You know what I mean? Because, but I I I don't have any vision. Like I don't have any um, to see their splits. You know what Schwarber was hitting against lefty left because they would have obviously that would have made it easier for them to bring a lefty lefty matchup through your three four guys. I would have probably bumped everybody back, bump took Schwarber, put him at four, bumped everybody up because Reese is still Reese is that juggernaut at the top where when he catches when he gets hot he could carry a team for two or yes. three games. But Schwarber was so hot oh, he hitting was. home runs, you know that I I thought. They had the ability to kind of pitch around Harper a little bit when he got when he was on fire coming into the World Series after the Padres, and I thought maybe that mix up. But Would you, I, I don't I don't ever want to doubt anything that Thompson you know Thompson was doing though. No, and actually, and that's a one I want to ask you too because um, you played for many different managers throughout your career, and you know you got to play for Charlie, and you know, and obviously what Manuel was able to help lead the Phillies to the World Series in 2008. Um, from your perspective, what he was able to do to take over, obviously Joe Girardi was given the pink slip. He was sent home. He was fired. And then for Rob Thompson to do what he was able to do, um, have you yourself, kind of a two-parter, were you surprised to see players come out and speak and saying so much, so much positivity about him, you know, calling him Philly Rob? And, yeah. and in addition to that, for you yourself, with playing for so many different managers, was there a guy that you really enjoyed playing for that you were like, maybe he was your version of Philly, Rob, that you loved or even still talk to to this day? Yeah. Um, so I was surprised. I I, th- I thought Girardi was a great manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just from the past. But he's he's kind of lost. The, he's lost the Florida job. He lost the Yankee job. And now the Philly job, which I'm I'm really surprised at. But I do think as far as managers go, um, the most important thing for a manager is for their personality to fit the team. Right. You know, um that I think that's that's the most important thing. And in saying that, I guess my answer to your question would be um when I played, I played for a guy named Shane Turner, who I believe played he had a little bit of time i think with the phillies the mariners um but kind of a guy very similar i felt like very similar to me you know a little bit of a utility guy kind of grinded it out every day um kind of had that mentality as a manager um so i responded well to him you know because i saw a little bit of my identity in him he's working for the giants now i had the opportunity to know him um 
Um, he was kind of a fixture uh, with the Reading Phillies uh, for a number yep. of years. So um, got a chance to know him through there. And uh, he comes in from time to time. He still he still has moments where he's still scouting. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, he's still doing, obviously, a lot of uh, scouting work uh, with the Giants. Um, I know when we last talked, I think it was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, yep. But I got I to, gotta, you know, for us on this version here i know um when the phillies won the world series i thought it was one of the best stories i know it kind of was a a knock on yourself when you told the story but when they were introducing all you guys and um i think you were like literally the first position player announced um, i was yeah if you can revisit after it, yeah after charlie yeah so we you know the the parade ends at citizens bank they have a convertible for all of us they announced the coaching staff first in the last person they announced is Charlie Manuel with the trophy, right? The yeah. place just goes crazy. I mean, you had your choice of Cole Hamels, you know, World Series MVP, Ryan Howard to follow that up, MVP from 2007, Jimmy Rollins, or maybe maybe Ryan was 08, Jimmy was the 07 MVP. Like, there were a lot of choices to go to follow Charlie, and they picked Mike Servanak. <laughs> follow right i mean the place just exploded and then all of a sudden you know they they introduced me and it was like it was like the stadium was full of crickets i think i even saw a piece of tumbleweed roll in front of my uh, (laughs) you know my convertible at the time i mean i'm sure if your family was there i'm sure you obviously you got some cheers from your family uh if your family my dad was actually there oh that's awesome yeah and i think i heard him say whose kid is that goodness or dad <laughs> but that's i always I, I tell you i think back to that story because it's like um and it's a credit to you because i'm sure in that moment it's like okay you're 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 loving the moment because it's all right you, you're a world series champion and then but you're like okay all right you know they're not cheering for me as much as maybe i thought but you know that's a credit to you because maybe some guys are like i can't believe they didn't cheer for me you know what i mean i was still a yeah, part of it no i'm yeah i mean that's just being realistic right that that is I was a small I was a very small component on that team which you know at the end of the day I'm incredibly thankful that I had that opportunity you know that my timing was was that good to be uh on a world series team you know um you played with Andy obviously you played with Rich I'm sure you keep in touch with those guys uh, from time to time Andy we had we had the opportunity to see this past year he's yeah. the Columbus Clippers now and doing right. an outstanding job with the Cleveland Guardians in for uh, uh which is crazy for you to say the Cleveland Guardians it That's, really is I, I I don't think I could ever I was when you brought his name up I was gonna be like yeah he's with the Indians organization up and it's like I had to train myself to make sure I don't say yeah. the Indians anymore and obviously it's the Guardians um I'm not sure maybe the last time you talked with Andy but obviously he's doing uh really well uh with his baseball career um can you think back to a moment whether it was with Andy with Rich less any of your teammates from that uh, first year here in Lehigh Valley that, you know, kind of maybe was a favorite memory for you. Um, so it was definitely when me and Andy, you know, we were in uniform for the World Series. We won in we were running around the stadium as a team, yep. um, kind of around the outfield. And I just looked at Andy and I go, do you remember how the year started? Because I think we started off 0 and 11, 0 yep. and 10, 0 and 11. People were literally wearing bags. Oh, wow. You know, to the games. I remember looking in the stands and seeing people with brown paper bags over their heads with the eye hole cut out. But I was like, for for it, this is incredible for this year to end like this. Like, I would have never saw that. 
Yeah, which is it, which is which was great for you know obviously for you guys uh, individually, but then you know as a team and as an organization and and how that year started too was I mean first game at Coca Cola Park, you guys were playing an exhibition game against the yep. Phillies. I mean that's and, right. So against your teammates and obviously um, I know Dave Hopper was uh, your manager that uh, that yep. first year and you know obviously Charlie Manuel's on the other side and um, you know I guess for yourself too and I know fans always want. You know, they're always kind of in asking about, especially with minor league players, how do you balance? Obviously, you got to come to the ballpark every day. You do your job. You're trying to do what you can to work your way up to the big leagues. But also, too, you know, there's kind of the zaniness that goes on with minor league baseball, you know, autographs, uh, you know, uh, appearances, things of that nature. How, for you yourself as a player, how are you able to kind of balance all that stuff out, knowing that, hey, I got to play baseball, but right. there's a responsibility to the fans as well, too. Right. Well, I, you know, as far as a responsibility to the fans, I remember being a young kid going to Tiger Stadium and constantly hounding the players. And, and I remember how much it meant to me when one of them took the time to actually talk to me or sign an autograph for me or give me a baseball, anything like that. So it was it was easy in that regards because I looked I related it to how I felt myself and how much it meant, you know, and I just kind of applied it to that situation there but you're right like you have to kind of realize where you're at you talked about the zaniness involved with minor league baseball you you have to realize you're going to be asked to do some things some promotions that are out of the ordinary right right and that's that's that comes with the territory it comes with the job it comes with the place that you're in right and you could either kind of fall in line with that or you could you probably should be looking for another profession if right. not yeah. at that point because i know right. and i'm sure there were moments too where like you didn't want to be um you didn't want to be bothered you know with something obviously it's a busy day or whatnot and then it was up to like folks like myself you know understanding the the temperature of the room like hey but we can't right. do this today or schedule it another day um but it's funny you bring up the uh detroit and uh tiger stadium um i'd be remiss you yourself being a michigan guy um i know you played played at Michigan, but totally different. How you feel about Michigan football these days? You know, Jim Harbaugh, the khakis, obviously you got, they got the two seed there in the college football playoffs. Right. Do you feel like this could be the year? Could this be the year? I, I think we, you know, we have a good draw. I'm, I'm very uh, temperate on it. We got a good draw with TCU. Yep. I think Georgia does not, I mean, there's not a lot of weaknesses that Georgia brings to their game. It do I, It's great for Michigan to be, back winning the big 10 championships it's great to beat ohio state again um i think that everyone calls it the game i think previous to these two years it really hasn't been the game for the 14 previous years michigan it was so lopsided with ohio state so it's good that that rivalry is coming back to fruition i'm excited we'll see i'm hoping you know it's funny i don't rule for anybody in college football and um, you know, but obviously I think it's great for college football that Michigan's back in there, you know, the big yeah. house and, and obviously the lore and the history that Michigan football brings. Um, so that other side, Ohio state, Georgia, I know they say you never want to root for your next opponent in the playoffs, but are you right. kind of root for that potential rematch with Ohio state or would you rather take on the juggernaut Georgia? I mean, how would you like to see it happen? I would say this because I can't say that I would ever root for Ohio state, right? It's just not in my DNA. Correct. I root for any big team, uh, any Big Ten team playing an SEC team. I root for a Big Ten team. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Okay. And you you talk about Jim Harbaugh. That yeah. guy 
I, he had one foot out the door two years ago. Correct. You know, if you think of pre, the fan base had really turned on him. Um, so to be where they're at now is is pretty incredible. Yeah, which is awesome. And I know it's great for uh, the state of Michigan and and obviously uh, for the Big Ten, too, um, that finally someone's kind of challenging Ohio State, you know, after obviously Ohio State um, is really run a ramp, you know, had been running rampant. And I kind of bring this up, too, because Kurt Landis is a big Ohio State fan. So I know when he listens to this portion of this episode. Um, and, and I could see that in Kurt. Like, it I, makes sense knowing that now. Exactly. Right? Of course, being he a seems like an Ohio a- State guy. I mean, him being a, a, an Ohio resident, you know, former Ohio resident, born and raised, as he likes to say, you know, um, right. he's Ohio across the board, you know, his Browns and his Cavaliers and, you know, all right. that stuff. So. I give him a lot of credit for being a Browns fan. I do. Too. It's kind of like, being, you know, I could I could empathize. I'm a Lions fan. So, yeah, I, look, I could turn my camera here. There's you can maybe see the uh, the S um, right here for uh, J.E.T.S. I don't want to talk about that yeah. right now. So let's I think our all our teams are kind of in the uh, the same boat. They're having a decent year. They they're, they're probably going to get in. Right. I hope so. I mean, they haven't been to the playoffs in over 10 years, but yeah, yeah um, I, but I, I can't really can't really rant wild card. Yeah, I'm hoping for if they just get in and see what happens, you know, yeah. as you know, with when it comes to the playoffs. But Mike, um, I know you've been up to a lot as well. To um, you know, you work, um, you know, from where you work now, of course, working for Medtronic. Is it you know doing, right. you know, you working in the ORs, kind of you know assisting with, uh, you know, uh, equipment and things of that nature. Um, so tell us a little bit about you know what that entails, and um, obviously you know going to world of sports to now work. Uh, in the medical profession. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I go into the ORs during surgeries and I, I assist, we bring in the implants. We, we help set up the surgeries. Um, if the doctor has any, equi- any questions on the equipment, how to use it, what tools uh, he could use for a certain procedure, we're there to answer it. And we're also there to be the, um, I guess it would be the fall 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 guy for everything. So if something's going wrong, you're, you're the reps being blamed. So you have to be ready to accept that responsibility in the room. That's crazy. Um, and I know you've been there now for um, a number of years. Um, it, so I guess maybe a silly question, but I guess what's, what do you enjoy most? I mean, obviously I know uh, getting to kind of see everything, you know, working in those ORs, kind of be in the trenches, shall you say, is that kind of what you enjoy most to see, seeing the equipment that you work with, you know, kind of getting put into action per se? Well, outside of, you know, the patients obviously come first, you know, patients, patients um, becoming better is, is definitely the best part of the job. The number two part of the job, which is cool for a sports person. And I think that's why a lot of sports people go into medical devices is, you know, within the ORs, you're kind of part of a team. You have a circulator, you have a scrub, you have a, a doctor, and you're kind of functioning for that surgery to go well in a team environment. Um, so that kind of takes you back to your sports days. So that's that's a plus to being involved uh, within medical devices. That's awesome. So I mean, that's great that you know uh, you're you know doing really well with that, and you know, and obviously uh, getting a chance to um, you know help 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 folks get better. You know, and yeah, as you said, that's the most important thing. Um, but uh, but Mike, um, obviously, it's been great getting a chance to talk with you, and I feel like we can continue to talk here for another. You know, it feels like for another hour or so. But before <laughs> easily. Yeah, but before I let you go, um, I know, um, you know, for uh, obviously all the 
all the cool experiences that you've been able to, you know, experience as a, as a baseball player and now in doing what you've been able to do post your um, career. Um, I know we touched on it earlier with um, kind of being as an iron pig. Um, what do you, th- uh, what is it, you know, when you kind of tell folks in, about your days in, you know, being a, a former iron pig or even just with the Phillies, um, you know, like, have you had conversations, whether it's your family, friends, or even people out in the Midwest um, that, hey, you know, if you ever go to a ballpark or ever go to a place, you know, does Lehigh Valley ever come up in conversations for you? Yeah, I I, I talk to it all the time. Um, So within my sub, gosh, I can't remember his, his name. His first name is Chris, but he played for the Phantoms. Okay. In, you know, I talk to him every once in a while about what it was like being in Bethlehem. But also, you know, just today I was telling somebody how much I enjoyed uh, living in Bethlehem and how much I enjoy that area, you know, and I, and, and I always said East Coast has the best sports fans as far as loyalty goes. You have to earn it. There's no doubt about that. Lehigh Valley, Philadelphia, you had to earn the respect of the fans. But once you got it, there was a lot of loyalty there. I'm sure that, that's great to hear. I'm sure the schedule's busy, you know, throughout the spring and summer. I know you got your uh, got your family and whatnot, but seriously, the door is open, Mike. If you ever oh, want to come it. out, ever want to come out to uh, come out to Allentown, Bethlehem, come to Coca Cola, please just let us know and we'll tell Kurt to foot the bill here. All right, you know, we'll, I, we'll put the. Well, we'll, I think it's really going to depend if Michigan plays Ohio State, you yes, know, and beats them again. I think that will be dependent on whether or not you know how generous Kurt's going to be with any type of invitation. That's true. But you know what, if Michigan happens to beat Ohio state in the college football uh, playoff, you know, in the, in the uh, national championship, then uh, he's just going to have to deal with it a little bit, I guess, you know, but of course, if they win, he'll be like, yeah, Mike, come on. Oh yeah. We'd love to have you out. Hey, let's just have, you want to meet for coffee. We could have a conversation. Like I'm sure that's going to be. (laughs) So Mike, thanks again for us hanging out here on the podcast. And, um, We'll definitely, of course, uh, look to do this again soon. No problem. It's my pleasure. I'll talk with you soon, Mike. We do want to thank Mike Servanak for joining us here on Pig Pod. You know, he was really getting after Michelle Pearl a lot, wanting to be a guest here on Pig Pod. And we had the opportunity to talk to Mike throughout the pandemic. Uh, Mike's a great guy, really well-respected Iron Pig. And it's kind of cool to see how he is still very much in tune with the game of baseball. Yeah, I mean, how can't you be? He had a very good career, uh, you know, in in the minor leagues, especially here. And to get some of his insight and a little bit of back and forth with some of our front office members, uh, you know, just reminds people that anybody that comes through this organization is still very much connected to the Iron Pigs. And it was definitely great having Mike uh, along on our show. I love the story, though, when he was first introduced in the parade in 2008 and how the crowd went quiet. And um, and then, of course, when Charlie Manuel and Chase Utley, you know, the crowd erupted. But Mike Servanak was part of that 2008 World Series championship right. team. So um, but that is going to conclude our final episode here in 2022. Do want to thank Kevin and Alex for all their great work behind the scenes. Kevin, um, uh, you know, in front of the camera as well, too. So hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas and a healthy and safe uh, finish into the brand new year of 2023. So, as always, continue to follow us along here on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify. But once again, for Kevin Whitehead, I'm Mike Ventola. Thanks for watching and, of course, listening to this edition of Pig Pot.